The Holy Gospel according to Luke, the 21st chapter. Jesus said, There will be signs in the sun and the moon and the stars, and on the earth distress among nations, confused by the roaring of the sea and waves. People will faint from fear and foreboding of what is coming upon the world, for the powers of the heavens will be shaken. Then they will see the Son of Man coming in a cloud with power and great glory. Now when these things begin to take place, stand up and raise your heads, because your redemption is drawing near. Then he told them a parable. Look at the figure tree and all the trees. As soon as they sprout leaves, you can see for yourselves and know that summer is already near. So also, when you see these things taking place, you know that the kingdom of God is near. Truly I tell you, this generation will not pass away until all things have taken place. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will not pass away. Be on guard so that your hearts are not weighed down with dissipation and drunkenness and the worries of this life, and the day does not catch you unexpectedly like a trap. For it will come upon all who live on the face of the whole earth. Be alert at all times, praying that you may have the strength to escape these things that will take place and to stand before the Son of Man. The Gospel of the Lord. You may be seated. Let us pray. Our dear, God, our dear God, we come together this morning for a change of seasons. This is a season, Lord, that is so full of meaning and of love and power, and it gets a little corrupted sometimes by the way we apply it and uh, in the spending that goes on for things we already have and the more we don't need, and we've heard it all before, Lord. But help us to make this a spiritual journey this time, maybe maybe to do things uh, to prepare others who don't have the means to welcome a God who loves them and hasn't forgotten them. Use us, Lord, to make a difference in this world. And when we do, Lord, it fires us up. It brings our faith to a new level, and we are indeed uh, made deeper followers of you. So help us, Lord, to be alert and to watch for your call to do something to help someone else or a family member or just to, um, to make a difference at home. In Jesus' name, amen. You know, it's been a long time since I preached on the first Sunday of Advent. Why? Because this gospel is always a tough one. It's hard to explain to a modern generation. That's why Pastor Anderson and I usually give this text to the seminarians. (laughs) Yes, it's been several years Uh, We've been through Dan and Eric, and Courtney has escaped it this year, and here I am. It's just that Luke tries to capture our attention this morning, you know, uh, from the get-go. He quotes Jesus warning us, there will be signs in the sun, 
The moon and the stars on the earth, distress among nations, confused by the roaring of the sea and the waves, people will faint from fear and foreboding of what is coming upon the world, for the powers of heaven will be shaken. Well, that's pretty good stuff. Hmm, heaven is shaking indeed. That we can believe right down here on little old earth. Did you see Friday's video coverage on the news about the major tsunami or earthquake, whatever, in Alaska? I mean, it was number 10 on the Richter scale. Highways were heaved up. Bridges were broken. Cars were hanging. People were trembling under tables in their office and screaming. It was full of fear everywhere. Plus, I know that you've heard over and over again, so we have almost become numb to the fires in California that have just devastated acres and acres. Plus, I know you uh, have heard about the tsunami that was in Indonesia, all those hurricanes up the southeastern coast of the United States and Puerto Rico week after week after week this fall. It seems, it seems like the modern world, 2018, is actually receiving the fulfillment of Jesus' predictions in today's gospel. Maybe so. There will be signs on the earth and roaring of sea and waves. You see, Luke's passage contains a special type of writing. You know, it's apocalyptic. Apocalyptic, it's a great word for Scrabble, and it means symbolic imagery, about the end of the world. It was popular as a style of writing in both the Old and the New Testament times. Its authors gave hope to those who were being persecuted and crushed and who were desperate for hope, the Jews and the Christians, by forecasting certain cosmic events that would be taking place that would signal the imminent arrival of the Savior and the Son of Man. He would be riding on a cloud and will vanquish all evil. All evil from the faithful will be gone. As Luke adds, Now when these things happen, stand up and raise your heads up, for your redemption is drawing near. Not your destruction, your redemption is drawing near. Frederick Buechner, uh, one of my favorite authors, writes poetically about the little understood season of Advent this way. He says, the extraordinary thing that is about to happen, which is Christmas, is matched only by the extraordinary moment just before it happens, Advent. Advent is the name of that moment. The Salvation Army Santa Claus clangs his bell. The sidewalks are so crowded you can hardly move. But if you concentrate just for an instant, far off in the distance, off somewhere you can feel the beating of your heart. For all its madness and lostness, not to mention your own, You can hear the world itself holding its breath. Holding its breath at the advent of our Savior coming at last.
It feels this year, despite the joy of Advent anticipation, however, that we are just like those beaten-down, desperate Jews and Christians, aren't we all at some point? Many of us can't talk to one or two of our family members at all, or especially about our political views still. It's been a couple years now that causes arguments. We avoid family dinners for fear of an outbreak of venom. Or we've tuned out totally now on current events. Some I hear haven't turned on the TV in weeks. As long as we are so weary of all the cataclysmic events, we shut down. Each day is more bad news. As one preacher, William Lamar of Washington, D.C., said, I wonder about the numbness, the numbness in our own day. It's as if some diabolical cosmic dentist injects us with Novocaine on the regular. Can we even feel the pain anymore? There's so much violence around us, we seem to ignore it as a coping mechanism. There's so much hateful speech that we've just come to expect it. There are so many vile geopolitical shenanigans sponsored by the American empire and those nations trying to replace it that we wonder about the future of humanity and the good earth. However, with that dirge being sounded, I had a stunning experience this week. It was about 30 minutes long, but it broke through any of the numbness that I have been feeling over all of these casualties in our world. I got a call in the office uh, in the morning from a social worker at the Horsham Clinic. One of her patients wanted to see a Lutheran pastor. His younger brother, in his 30s, had died suddenly, and he wanted to talk with a religious person like a pastor. So I agreed to go see him. It was a bit unsettling, since I'm embarrassed to say I have never been inside the Horsham Clinic before. I had to leave my cell phone at the front desk after walking to many buildings to figure out which one I was supposed to be in. And then I had to tell myself as I walked down the corridor with all these patients that I would be safe. Then they put me in a small room with two chairs and a little table between them, and I waited for my guy to show up. I waited, and I waited, and I waited. Finally, I saw him. We'll call him Jeff, a big, big man with a shaved head and a stocking cap on top, baggy sweats, about 45 years old. He had been there a few days already, de detoxing from alcohol and drugs. He was having hallucinations and other phobias, and he had lost his girlfriend. But such a sweet man, I found, under all that exterior that could have been Awesome. I said, where are you from? He said, well, I'm from Iowa. I said, wow, I'm from Minnesota. That's pretty close together. He says, it was a long time ago now. I was raised there in a little Lutheran church. He said, I was an acolyte, and I went to Sunday school, but we didn't stick around long enough for me to get through confirmation. His family 
many, many half-brothers and sisters and parents that were splitting, had moved off to California, and then everybody just kind of went their own ways. But this man, uh, Jeffrey, was so attached, not to his half-brothers, who he had sort of said goodbye to, but to this baby brother of his. They had talked on the phone back and forth, off and on, very frequently, even as he had been in, in the institution. And the one who just died was also on drugs and alcohol. As I said, he was somewhere in his mid-30s. And Jeff wanted me to come to tell him for sure that God would save his baby brother, that he wouldn't go to hell. He didn't ask anything of himself. He said, God knows I have done a lot of bad things, but I never lost my faith totally. I circle back over and over. But that baby brother of mine, he would call me and we would talk on the phone And this week when I called, I got no answer. And I called again and I got no answer. I cared about him so much. I just want to know he'll be in heaven and be okay. Does God condemn us when we do these bad things? I assured him with the banner of Lutheran grace that there was no way I believed that his brother was in trouble. I assured him God's promise in our baptism is nothing but permanent, and it does not allow us to be separated from the love of Christ, no matter what we do. We can't turn it back in. God loves us and loves us and picks us up again and again. We are always God's children. Oh, and he agreed. He agreed. And he said, I really, really have wanted to talk with someone and um, and just to be assured So he said, would you pray with me? And I did. I said, but first let's read this confession that we have in the bulletin this morning. And so we read the confession. He bowed his head. He received the absolution like a thirsty man. And then I prayed about his own brother. And then I gave him two inspirational books that we had in the office that I just happened to take with me. He was very, very pleased. He reads all the time, he said. One of the books is, you all must know it, Why Bad Things Happen to Good People. Teresa found it for me in the bookshelf by Rabbi Kushner. And the other was called Grace by Max Lucado. He was so excited to be able to keep these books and have them as his own. He was eager to read them in his room. And then... He said, I was deeply moved by the conversation we've had. He says, I don't know what will happen to me. I'm going into treatment in the next two weeks, and it's going to be painful and torturous. But would you just give me one more prayer for my girlfriend? I really, really want to see her again. I said, of course. And so we prayed that there might be forgiveness and a reunion and hope that when he goes back home that he could reconnect with her. I felt like I had been healed of any numbness in my life as well as he walked out the door and down the hall. What must it be like to have almost no one left in your life plus to be going through treatment? He felt more at peace, and I give thanks to God that I was able to try to connect him with God 
It was a privilege. It's what we need to be doing, people, during the holidays. I know that's good to shop and give gifts to all of us who have way too much stuff. We can't even store what we have, and we have to clean out the house to make room for more. But you know and I know the soul food that comes from helping someone like this is worth all the gold in the world. It is spiritual nourishment. And you feel wonderful amidst the sadness. I acquired this season bad news in the media time and time again. And I got a little cynic cynical about all the bad things going on, like maybe you have too. But the spirit, my friends, the spirit is alive and well. She is lighting up the darkness that we all feel over and over again with hope and light and love. As I read somewhere this week, moving towards God means making heart space for everyday holiness. Everyday holiness. It means being willing to grow, to bear, and birth God's movements of grace and caring into the world. I guess I was kind of pregnant this week. It would be interesting to use that term, or seasonally appropriate. With good news for this man, it was simple to bring him just my company, a prayer, Assurance that God loves him, but I was the recipient. I came out of there feeling renewed and hopeful and wanting to do something again, just like that for someone else. So there's your Advent homework. Your preparation this year. Be alert at all times, says Jesus. I felt Jeff did receive hope and God's promise and new life and redemption drawing near to him. And I was privileged to be able to help give him that message. So I close with a quote from the former chaplain at Yale University, William Sloan Coffin. He says, We've learned to soar through the air like birds, to swim through the sea like fish, to soar through the heavens like comets. Now it is high time we learn to walk on this earth Like children of God. Like children of God. Amen, he says. So there it is. Let's walk this Advent, and really every day, like children of God, joining hands with each other, uniting with the relatives we've alienated over politics, holding our breath because we know Christ is coming soon to redeem us all. I can't wait. Amen.